Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, September 9th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Bill Bank Green. Bank, what a performance from the Buckeyes on Saturday. I don't think anybody saw this coming. 42 to nothing over the Cincinnati Bearcats. I know we both thought this would be at least, you know, a tight affair for at least part of the game. Uh, I had the Buckeyes winning 34-17, so barely covering what ended up being a 16.5 point spread. But uh, wow, they were dominant in every facet of the game. Forty-two to nothing. What a game, Bank! Yeah, no doubt. They um, they knew going in that Cincinnati was going to come in, you know, loaded for bear. And I think that was probably what you know Ryan Day probably preached to them all week. You know, was to be prepared mentally, you know, for what you were going to get from Cincinnati. I mean, I, I don't think there was much question in Ohio State is a more talented team, but yet, you know, the underdog playing at a fever pitch when the powerhouse team isn't quite ready to go, you can get some interesting games. You can get beat. You can lose by 30. As hard as that is to believe. So that was Ryan Day's mission. I think last week was to have them match Cincinnati's intensity, which they did. And then just outplay them, which they also did that too. So, and that's how you get 42, nothing. Um, you know, it, it was a great performance. I mean, it was just, you could look at every unit and just say, you know, A++. There's a play here, play there, you could nitpick, but 42 nothing over quality team. I mean, that, that's a top 50 team in America. I mean, that, that's, that's darn good. Um, and now, you, you know, you move on. You get better and you move on. This defense looks especially great. We'll get to the offense as well. I mean, as you said, they they looked excellent in every possible way. Um, obviously, there's things they can still work on. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's there's no complaints for me. And then things are going to go wrong in a football game. You're never going to play a perfect game. This defense, I mean, it's a credit to the, the players and how hard they've worked. It's a credit to the coaches. It also makes Greg Schiano look really bad, in my opinion, because – you know, I think there not that there was really much doubt, but if there was anybody wondering, was it talent? Well, you know, last year was that the problem, or was it scheme? It's pretty clear now it was scheme. I know these guys are a year older, they're a year better, and all that, but still, man, this this <laughs> bank just makes Greg Shannon look bad. But I tell you what, it makes Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison look really good. Yeah, that was a big week to get a shutout in college football today. is pretty rare. So, yeah, and then, like I say, they. Um, there were some issues week one. You know, you got outscored over the last three quarters by FAU. So it wasn't like they, you know, you threw a perfect 10 week one. So there were things that needed fixed, needed worked on as, you know, and that goes on all through the season. So obviously, you know, this team was loaded 
you know, against Cincinnati offensively and defensively. And like I say, you get a shutout by today's standards. I don't care if it's, you know, if it's Alabama playing a Mac school. Alabama did not shut out New Mexico State last week. You know, shutouts are hard, and that's something to be proud of. Justin Fields, my goodness, I I thought he'd be good, but he's certainly further along than I expected at this point. I, you know, and I, I'm sure there's still going to be ups and downs with him, but my gosh, he looks good. He's way further along than I thought he would be. I knew there would be like the wild plays, you know, and and I knew there would be some flash and and a lot of sizzle with him. What I didn't know is that his football IQ would be as high as it is. Um, he didn't have that many starts in high school. He did, you know, he's not he wasn't a four year starter in high school. Didn't start last year at all. Now he's in a new system, and he's under a lot of pressure. People may not realize it, but he knows, you know, where he's at, and he knows what's expected of him. So the, the speed and, and all that stuff, I knew he had all that stuff, but it's being able to make throws while taking a hit. It's being able to throw a laser from the, you know, the left hash to the right sideline. It's, it's been the accuracy. I mean, darn near every ball hits these guys in the chest. Um, they're not reaching down for them. They're not leaping high for them. They're not behind them. I mean, the, the technical aspect of playing the quarterback position He's really been as good as Haskins was at that stuff. So, like I said, and, and then you add in the speed and the running ability, and so far so good. Now, you know, beating FAU and beating Cincinnati, this is not like going on the road in the Big Ten and, and having to pull a game out in the fourth quarter, you know, like Haskins did last year at Penn State, like Haskins had to do at Maryland. You know, that's when you judge a quarterback, when, man, you're up against it. How do you handle, you know, pressure of when, when, when you're about to lose a game and that loss is going to knock you out for the season? That's how you judge a quarterback. So, so far, I mean, I would give Justin an A+. Plus. Where are you at? Excuse me. Where are you at with the running backs? Um, are you happy that it looks like a one-two punch is emerging with Dobbins and Teague? Do you feel like Teague needs to play more? Just what, what, what are your thoughts? What are your takeaways on the running backs? Well, nobody will probably admit it, but I think J.K. Dobbins had a little fire lit under his butt after the FAU game, and whether it was just going back and look at tape or whether it was Tony Alford sitting him down saying, we got this young guy behind you that's kind of, you know, charging, and, and you better make a statement, pal, or you're going to lose carries. You know, so I don't know if that happened. Uh, maybe, maybe J.K. reads Bucknuts, the form. But anyway, he was a different player last week. Um, <laughs> he had a little, little pee and vinegar to his step, and that's how he has to play. You know, week one, he left a ton of yards on the field. He looked slow, and you can't leave yards in the field, and you can't be slow because the guy behind you looks like he's a player. So, yeah, I think J.K. got a little – was motivated last week, and he better stay motivated too because Teague looks like a player to me. I know you like talking about the O-line. I like talking about the O-line. I think my first question for Ryan Day to kick off Big Ten Media Days was, who's going to be your starting right tackle? And, of course, he wasn't telling us at the time. It's going to be a good battle between Brandon Bone and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, and it ended up being a good battle. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think you said earlier, A-plus-plus across the board for every unit. What did you see from the O-line in particular this game? Oh, they just dominated. You know, and when I wrote my game preview, you know, I, I was really concerned about the Cincinnati front. Last year, their three front guys were 
you know, they were all excellent. They all ended up in NFL training camps. Well, now you got three inexperienced guys stepping in there, and Ohio State just mashed those guys. I mean, it was it was no contest. It was men against boys, and the men won. So that you know, there's there no complaints last week at all. They they dominated. And again, you can break down. 80 plays on offense and find a play here where, oh, man, Brandon Bowen missed his block here or, man, Josh Myers missed the Yeah, I get that. You know, there's no perfect games. But all in all, when you look in totality of what the offensive line did last week, I mean, that was a butt-kicking, serious butt-kicking. This 2017 recruiting class, we already knew it was great, but now guys that maybe, you know, where we thought, oh, man, this guy, if this, just the light could come on for this guy, that class would be, like, really special. Well, it, it, it's, it's happening. Baron Browning looks great. I mean, we knew Chase Young was going to be a top-ten pick. Now he looks like he could be the top overall pick of the draft if, if quarterbacks didn't always get – some quarterback didn't always get taken number one. But Chase Young looks so good. Baron Browning, I love the way he looks. Jeffrey Okuda, no surprise there with Okuda. He, I thought, you know, he was the best player other than Dwayne Haskins on the field in the Rose Bowl. He's carried that over. And another guy who played a lot more this week, you know, Baron Browning played more snaps than Tough Borland, which was interesting. Sean Wade played a lot of snaps this week after. I didn't think he played enough in the opener. I think really Wade should have more snaps than Arnett. Even in this game, Arnett had more snaps than Wade, but it was really close. But Sean Wade played great. Uh, just your thoughts on some of those guys from that 2017 class on defense. Yeah, I think Sean Wade is their most versatile DB. And I think you know, I know people think, well, he should be starting a corner over Arnett. And uh, I get it. You know, I see where they're coming from. But I think in this scheme, I think they like Arnett and Akuda on the corners. And then Wade is like a Swiss Army knife that he can play safety. He can take on the slot guy. You can move him all around that defense. And it's hard to find a DB that you can do that with. So I think they like having him as sort of that wild card back there. The interesting thing of this whole defense to me has been that it's pretty clear that Brendan White is not in the plans. And it's surprising to me, but yet, hey, proof's in the pudding. And, you know, you can bench Chase Young if it makes you better, you know, and no one would care. But I really thought Brendan White was going to be a key guy this year, you know, playing that bullet maybe too high safety or what. he doesn't play at all. I mean, his snap counts. I didn't see what this game was at Cincinnati. I'm going to guess it's in the teens again. And it was in the teens week one. He's not getting 45 snaps. So that has been the big surprise to me. I really thought he would have to be on the field, you know, in place of one of those linebackers and they would go two linebackers, but they're going with, you know, that three linebacker set. So Brendan White's the odd man out, and that is really surprising to me. But, hey, you know, they're playing well, and that's all that matters. Last thing, just an update on the recruiting front. It seems like it's been kind of quiet lately. Uh, maybe it hasn't been, and maybe I just haven't been paying attention. But just what's maybe something the listeners need to know about recruiting right now? It has been quiet. I mean, and, and that happens, you know, the, the dead period starts in August, and two-a-day start then, so the kids are worried about their season. Uh, the colleges are worried about their season. And now, you know, it, it's starting to ramp back up. I mean, the key for me is, you know, this running back position. Yes, they need another D lineman, possibly two. They need a pass rusher. They need another pure cornerback. They need a quarterback. They're going to need another QB, I believe. Um, and, and if that ticks off Jack Miller, then that's just 
life in the big city. Um, but more importantly, they got to get this running back situation. And I think the Bradford kid is scheduled an official visit. Um, so he's one to watch for me. The Bradford kid, I think, is is an interesting guy. I think they really like him and the official visit's set. And, you know, going back, if, if you look at Urban Meyer's success rate with getting kids to take official visits, it was unbelievable. And, you know, they kind of started that last spring doing the same thing. So the Bradford kid at running back is one I would watch real close. And then I think they're going to need a second running back too. But, you know, you got to get one before you can get two. So, you know, recruiting, well, it is ramping back up. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And for me right now, the official visits are the key. I don't care who they offer a kid in Georgia. That offer means nothing. The offers are toilet paper. It's, it's official visits at this point. The official visit shows the kid's serious about you, and it shows that you're serious about him. So that's all really people need to watch going forward. So, But it's, recruiting is definitely ramped back up. Great insights, as always, from Bill Bank Green. Thank you very much, Bank, and thanks to our listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us that means you need to join us on fantasy baseball today in five part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank stample every monday through saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of march we'll break down the latest news spring training updates players to target and much more in just five minutes make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found